Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. We're here to alhamdulillah uh, welcome our dear esteemed neighbor, not too far away, but he rarely comes, but alhamdulillah our neighbor, Sheikh Dr. Umar Suleiman. He doesn't need any introduction. Uh, alhamdulillah, uh, Sheikh Umar is the founder of Yaqeen Institute. And alhamdulillah, he has done so much work in the last few years to represent us, the American Muslim community, uh, at national levels, in the media, uh, in so many international conferences. And we really, really thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for people like Sheikh Umar, who is now making inroads in the public arena, who is able to represent us mainstream Muslims, not compromising our values, being firm in where it needs to be firm, and showing the face of Islam to a broader community. We really thank Allah for the presence of uh, people like Sheikh Umar, and we ask Allah to grant him and us ikhlas, and tawfiq, and hidayah, and sadad. And with that, inshallah, I want to ask Sheikh Umar to come up, inshallah, bismillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Before I start, Jazakallah khair, Sheikh Yasser, for your brotherhood and that wonderful introduction. May Allah subhanahu wa bless you. Undeserving introduction, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you and elevate you. Sheikh Nadim, may Allah reward you and bless you and elevate you. Hafiz Sajad, it's been a long time since I heard your voice. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Ameen. And uh, it's really a treat, Alhamdulillah. I've heard it on YouTube, but get to pray behind Hafiz Sajad. And of course, uh, Stad Muhammad, who's not here, but who actually invited me to give the khatira uh, tonight in the first place. And I know there's this uh, rivalry between Epic and, and Valley Ranch. It's never in numbers. <laughs> But just to show you how, how masakin we are, uh, you, my two-year-old, uh, Khadija, she walks around and she yells at other people in the house and she says, mask in the masjid from that video that uh, Ustad Murad uh, made with, with you all. So we couldn't get a video team at VRIC to make a, a rival video. So uh, may Allah bless you all and your capabilities are, are way up. But alhamdulillah, it's all brotherhood and sisterhood, inshallah, for the sake of Allah. And I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allow us to work together as masajid, as communities, uh, for the greater good. Alhamdulillah, you have a wonderful team of scholars here, a wonderful administration, a wonderful uh, group of volunteers, a wonderful media team, and uh, everything that we would want to see in a masjid, alhamdulillah, you're leading the way. So may Allah preserve this community. May Allah preserve this masjid and everyone that's involved with it and continue to grow it in khair. Allahumma ameen. I was thinking about a few words to share, and uh, of course, listening to Hafiz Sajjad, I said, Hafiz Sajjad will give me the khatira. Based on what he reads, I'm going to listen to it, because I knew that he would pick something that's fitting. And subhanAllah, iqra' kitabak, kafa bi nafsika al-yawma alayka hasiba. Read your own book. This is enough of a testimony against you on this day. You are enough of a witness against yourself. <clears throat> and I was thinking about the qualities that we have of good that we hope to carry into the hereafter and to find in our book and the qualities that we would hate to have associated with us and hate to find in our book. You see, there are things that are one-off deeds and then there are qualities that you develop that continue to bear a certain genre of deeds, whether they're good or bad. And so that's why you have these stations, manazil, and they call it a khisal, right? A, a, a state, a station that you wish to have, a maqam, you wish to have a station that continues to yield in a certain way for you and not against you on the day of judgment. 
Iqra' kitabak. What do you want to see on your book on the Day of Judgment? And you can look at the deeds and the qualities in the Qur'an and the Sunnah in two ways. You could read them as they are in the sense that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the good qualities, you measure yourself against those good qualities and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the negative qualities and you measure yourself against the negative qualities. But you could also do another thing, which is anytime Allah or His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mention a negative quality, you think about what the opposite of that is and that is a beneficial exercise for you. To think about what the opposite of those negative qualities are so that you can manifest the exact opposite, not just stay away from them, but fill the void in your life with the positive qualities that will effectively save, that will effectively serve as a fortress and a safeguard against developing those qualities of hypocrisy or those qualities of evil. And when you see a positive quality, you ask yourself not just if you are implementing the outward reality of that positive quality, but how you don't let some of the qualities of hypocrisy undermine those causative qualities and those positive deeds and take you away from their essence. And so for example, the hadith of the Prophet wasallam, <clears throat> where he mentions the traits of hypocrisy. And what are the traits of hypocrisy? Shaykh Yasir, Imam Nadim can't answer. What are the traits of hypocrisy? When he speaks, he lies. When he makes a promise, he breaks his promise. When he's entrusted, he abuses that trust. He breaks the trust. And of course, we also, when he argues or when he, when he gets into an argument, then he transgresses. Abdullah ibn Umar said that those are four branches of hypocrisy. And so he said, therefore, when a person, impl so, so you have your share of hypocrisy on the basis of that. So if you speak and lie, that's one-fourth of hypocrisy. If you speak and lie and make promises and break promises, that's half of hypocrisy. If you do three out of four, 75% of hypocrisy. And if you have all four of them, then you are completely a hypocrite. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from all of hypocrisy. Allahumma ameen. And he said the opposite of that is that if when you speak, you speak truthfully then you have one-fourth of sidq, one-fourth of truthfulness. And if when you make promises, you keep those promises. You know, one, it's a very scary, uh, by the way, uh, uh, saying from Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah, for me, because I'm particularly not good at this. And he was asked, how do you know the liars? And he said, uh, with, with their appointments, with their times. If they keep to time, if they're on time, <laughs> then you know them, right? But, there's a, but he said, it, it, you know, almost to say it nurtures a quality of hypocrisy when someone doesn't even keep to the times they tell you that they're going to call you or they're going to meet you at this place. And that's something that we need to get better at. Obviously, I'm not saying if you're late that you're a hypocrite, but I'm saying that that's how, that's how precise the Salaf were, the predecessors were, to make sure they don't nurture any of these qualities. So if you speak and you tell the truth, you have one-fourth of truthfulness. And if you make promises and you keep your promises as well as that, then you have half of truthfulness. And it goes on and on, right? So if you keep your contracts, the secrets of people, your trusts, then you have three-fourths of sidq. And if when you get into an argument, then you maintain the boundaries of Allah and His Messenger وسلم, then you are completely a person of truthfulness. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us amongst the Siddiqoon. Allahumma ameen. So you look at the opposite side, right? So there's this ayah where Allah Azzawajal is talking about the people that are going into hellfire in Surah Qaf. Al-qiyah fi jahannama kulla kafarin anid. 
مُرِيب so I'm going to talk about these three qualities. Allah talks about a person being cast into hellfire, every stubborn disbeliever, and then Allah gives three qualities. Now these three qualities, as the ulama say, are not present in every single person that is cast into hellfire, but they represent the worst of the worst and the dominant majority, the ethos of the people of hell. The ethos, it's like when multiple ahadith where al-jababira, tyrants and arrogant people. Hellfire is made up of a lot of arrogant people, right? So kafar and anid, stubborn disbeliever, and then these three qualities. And Allah mentions them very quickly. And so I want you from now on when you hear them to know the, the deep meanings of these, these words in the Qur'an and how to manifest the opposite. Allah just says, manna'in lil khair, one who forbids good. Stands, hinders goodness, hinders good. Mu'tadin murib. I'm going to go through the, the, the meanings of this, but mu'tad is someone who exceeds the boundaries. It's like a fajr, a, you know, a fajr is someone who exceeds the boundaries. Mu'tad, most of the scholars say, means al-ibad, someone who exceeds the boundaries with people. So there, there's an element of tyranny. Not only are they disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but they're disobeying Allah in their treatment of people too. So there's an element of tyranny and transgression. And that comes with a level of arrogance with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well that is not just with a personal sinner. Or you don't find that necessarily with a personal sin. So, hinders the pathways to good. And then they transgress all boundaries with the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Murib is someone who induces doubt, causes doubt in people. Okay, so let's go through these things. The first one is very interesting. Forbids good. Steps in the way or stands in the way of khair. And there are three ways that the ulama spoke about The first one they said Forbids good for himself. Meaning what? The wahi that comes to him. The revelation that comes to him that could transform this person. And he puts a barrier between himself and that revelation. Right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was not the one that turned their hearts away. They turned, or, or it was not the one that induced or forced them to turn away. They turned away, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala turned their, their hearts away. Right? They turned away, so Allah turned their hearts away. Allah did not wrong them, but they wronged themselves. This is a theme in the Quran, right? Allah did not wrong them, they wronged themselves. Allah did not, did not force their hearts away, they turned away, so Allah turned their hearts away. And so they put a barrier between themselves and the goodness of the revelation that could have come to them and transformed them. They put barriers for themselves. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala turned them away as a result of that. So that's the first, uh, the first understanding of that. The second understanding of that and then we'll get to the primary understanding. The second understanding, the goodness that Allah gave to them of things that are not necessarily revelation, but if Allah gave them blessings of this world, then they forbid the people from that khair that was given to them. So they, for example, the ulama mentioned a person who has wealth and he hoards that wealth, hoards that wealth. He doesn't give of that wealth to uh, his family or to the people that are around him or to the fuqara or to the, uh, the downtrodden and the poor, he forbids the people around him 
from that khayr. And he did not own that khayr in the first place because we know that everything Allah has given to us of good is not really ours. It's not ours in the first place. And when a person has entitlement, they have a false sense of ownership where they think they own their blessings. You do not own your blink of an eye. You do not own your heartbeat. You do not own your home. You do not own the wealth in your bank account. All of that is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because how you earned it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the circumstances and everything, the entire existence of the blessing that became your blessing and your possession was never actually owned by you. And so the one that hoards and the one that takes it, that, that, that tries to uh, hold back all of those blessings. And of course, one of the first examples in the Quran of the people were the people of the garden, right? That tried to you know, pick all of the fruits and pick all of the crops of their trees before the poor people could come in and take from it. And Allah punished them with the destruction of the garden altogether. They didn't follow the example of their, their father in letting it go so that the people could come and take and pick from it. And the scholars say, subhanAllah, it's the first method for Quraysh that came down in the Quran. The first analogy to Quraysh, hoarders. They were selfish, greedy, trying to hold on to it. We can't give them a share of these blessings that have been given to us. Where did you get your sense of security from? Where did you get your civilization from, O Quraysh? If it wasn't for Allah responding to the dua of Ibrahim everything that comes about here, you would not have benefited from. And now you're trying to hoard it and keep people out and not let anyone have a share of your authority and your blessing. So manna'in al-khayr also has... Uh, a connotation of hoarding and those that, are, that hoard what has been given to them. And then the third one, which is the most obvious meaning and the, uh, and, and the primary meaning of it, is standing in the way of good things as in the da'wah, as in the revelation reaching the people and penetrating society. Being barriers to good things in society. And this is the worst type, the worst type of hindrance. When a person stands in the way of the da'wah. A person stands in the way of good things, of good efforts. And there is nothing. Now I know the ultimate manna'in lil-khayr are the kuffar that opposed the Prophet ﷺ and that stood in the face of anbiya and salihin and these people that we know represent a certain prototype. But also when you think about the least productive times in a community, it's when they're embroiled in fitna. Right? We're so unproductive when there's fitna. It takes all of the energy out of a community. It takes all the energy out of people. They waste themselves on this fitna. And it's, it's the plot of shaitan. Shaitan has given up hope on disconnecting us from salah. So he makes the people of salah fight each other. And sometimes a person doesn't even realize how they're, they're, they're becoming a hindrance to good things but sucking the, the, the positive energy out of a space and de depleting good efforts. That doesn't mean that good efforts can't be criticized, can't be refined, can't be made better. That doesn't mean you have to... Res but have it in good faith and always make sure that you're a part of propelling good efforts forward, not deflating them and then not putting forth an alternative or a refinement or something that is good, that is khair. Don't replace khair with sharr. Make khair better khair. Don't replace good with evil. Make the good even better. Right? That should be the mindset of the believer. Whether that's community work or when you see da'wah or you see any type of initiative. Especially from people that are volunteering their time to do any type of good. So manna'in lil-khayr, 
the ultimate meaning of, of, of al-kafir al-anid, these stubborn disbelievers, they stand in the way of that da'wah. Right? The Prophet ﷺ faced fierce opposition. They killed family of his. They boycotted him. They ran him out. They ran out believers to Abyssinia and then to Al-Madinah. They opposed the Prophet ﷺ. In Medina, of course, the hypocrites as well. Every single period of the Prophet ﷺ's da'wah, he had these opposers, right? That made it difficult for him and for the message. For himself, with the blessings that have been given to him, and hindering the good of the da'wah, the goodness in society. Mu'tat, transgressing upon the people, transgressing the boundaries of Allah, especially with the people. Tyranny. And tyranny comes in multiple ways. SubhanAllah, one of the ulama, he mentioned this example, that how, how hated a tyrant would, would be in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he already has so much wealth, but he still oppresses the poor person in society and shakes him down for every single penny and, and oppresses and abuses. Your bank account is already this big and you're still, you're still abusing this person whose bank account is this big and taking every single little thing out of him, right? Sucking them dry while you grow your bank account. How arrogant, in the, how, how arrogant in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, employing all sorts of haram and unethical means to harm and to abuse and grow, 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 and you're picking on the poorest of society in that regard. And by the way, you know, uh, I share this, it's, it's a very different example. But you know, when you're privileged, when Allah has given to you, it's not just the sadaqah. You have to get out of the mindset of trying to get everything you can out of people. And so let me give you an example. You go for Umrah, Hajj. MashaAllah, you afforded your whatever thousand dollar package. And you're there and you are fighting with a guy over five riyals, bargaining. Like it's some sort of game and some sort of competition. Like, ha, I'm going to get this stove for 80 riyals and not 85. I'm going to make him think I'm walking out the store. Right? I'm going to fight him because I want to teach him a lesson. I know I, the guy across there, he sold this for 80, 75. Five riyas, like seriously, a dollar and a half? And you're proud of yourself? No. I'm not talking about haram here. I'm just talking about like a mindset. Let it go. Right? Now don't, don't get fooled and, 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 you know, put 200 riyas on a 70 riyal uh, thing. It's okay to kind of think through a little bit of this and be, be a little bit, you know, uh, judicious with this stuff. But at the same time, like that idea of like, I'm going to, in my privilege, and I'm going to suck everyone dry and make sure I get this bargain. That's not a good mindset to have. And obviously, I'm talking about a far benefit from the ayah. I'm not saying that you are, you know, for that reason. I'm just saying, like, get that mindset out. So, a person who is the opposite of is someone who always tries to make good better, someone who always tries to facilitate the means of good in society, someone who is freely giving. When Allah gives them, they give that good as well. And when they see good, they try to propel that good. They don't try to hinder it. How can I make this good even better? How can I make it farther reaching? How can I uh, spread that khair wide and in a deep way? And they're not uh, aggressive with people. Not with the boundaries of Allah, of halal and haram, and especially not with the hukuk of al-ibad as it relates to halal and haram, the rights of people. So they don't like push and, no, very generous spirits as well. Generous with the people around them as well. So they adopt the revelation 
that revelation expands their chest, it expands their blessings, and it expands the way they deal with the people. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions murib. And murib, of course, has the connotation of a person in doubt themselves, but a person who induces doubt in people. A person who induces doubt in people. Puts it in people's minds, puts it in people's hearts. And you know, subhanAllah, noisy, noisy, noisy uh, uh, souls, disturbed people, try to disrupt and disturb other people as well. And you have to, you, you have to ask yourself, you know, what is the effect of what I'm saying to this person of mine, this brother of mine, this sister of mine, this child of mine? Because the opposite of murib is what? Someone who affirms, who gives them yaqeen, sidq, right? Tasdiq, who really affirms their faith, gives them confidence with their faith, right? Pushes them towards certainty. It's the opposite of someone who induces, right? Doubt in people. But if you realize, and of course, I'm going to conclude with this, inshallah ta'ala, this prototype of an individual is someone who at the core has not found peace in themselves. And so they ruin everything around them. And when you finish your salah, what do you say? Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarakti al jalali wa ikram. Think about that. Like, I just immersed myself in ibadah to Allah and worship to Allah, which is the first, you know, this, this primary commandment of the deen, as-salah. I pushed myself to it. And then the salah, I absorbed that worship of Allah and the sweetness of that worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. Sending salam to what is on my right and salam to what is on my left. And then, Allahumma anta salam Oh Allah, you are as-salam, you are peace. Minka as-salam, peace comes from you, right? Tabarakta ya al-jalali wal-ikram. You praise and glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so these people that were causing a lot of disruption, very empty on the inside, right? They say the emptiest vessels make the loudest noises. Whereas a person who has salam in their heart wants to spread that, afshu salam They want to spread that. And the first effect of that is they want the deen to spread because this deen, this deen is beautiful. And this deen can do so much for people outside. You know, when you see people that are struggling, empty, looking for something to fill a void, you should want this deen to reach them because you know what it's done for you. Ya Allah, I wish that, I wish that person was la ilaha illallah because I know what it will do for them as well. You have ni'am, blessings, and you feel, alhamdulillah, you're taught as a Muslim to constantly say, alhamdulillah, for what you have, and to be grateful. To act acts of gratitude. You see other people that don't have those ni'am. Ya Allah, I want them to have that khair too, because I know Allah gave it to me, though I don't deserve it. So I can't just write off people that don't have that khair and say they don't deserve it. How do I get that to them as well? You know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has been merciful with you, so you are merciful with others as well. And as you become affirmed and certain in your faith, you want to give that certainty and that confidence and that affirmation to others around you as well. And so we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to fill us, fill us with this deen, to fill us with his love, to fill us with the love of the Prophet to fill us with certainty in this deen, and then to make us carriers of this deen. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us and to guide through us.
to rectify us and to rectify through us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep us far away from the qualities that are despised by Him. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep us far away from the qualities that distance us from Him in this life and distance us from His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the gathering in the next. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us towards the traits that make us more beloved to Him and make us closer to our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for His love and the love of those that He loves and the love of every action that brings us closer to His love. Allahumma ameen, jazakumallahu khayran, wa sallallahu wa sallam, baraka ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.